Hey guys, you're listening to Metal Matters, a weekly gimme radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill. If you like metal, punk, hardcore, or anything extreme, you've come to the right place. So subscribe and never miss out. My good friend Terrence Hannum joins us this week. Terrence is a man of many talents, electronic musician, visual artist, author, He is also known for his involvement with long-standing electronic drone, dark soundscape entity, Locrian. Furthermore, he's been busy with a relatively new project with his wife, Erica Bergner-Hannum, called Holy Circle, which is kind of uh, more, I would say, in a shoegaze, synth-pop kind of vibe. I caught them last year at this place called The Heart Bar out in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And it was uh, sublime. It was this uh, very small space, smoke machine, intimate vibe. Great show. If you guys uh, enjoy the show, please share it with your friends. Talk about it on social media. Give us a like on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you listen to. If you can't get enough of me, I also have another podcast called Everything Went Black, which comes out less frequently than Metal Matters. If you want to check me out on social media, It's Michael underscore DC underscore Hill on Instagram and Michael Hill on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter, but I don't really uh, mess around with Twitter too much. You've moved quite a bit. So where are you living right now? I'm I'm, I'm still in Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Because like, I think when you and I first started getting to know each other, you were living out in Chicago, maybe. That's right. Yep. Yep. And is the the rest of uh, the rest of Locrian? You guys all live in different parts of the country, am I correct? Yeah, Andre is in um, Albany, and Stevens back in Chicago, and I'm here in Baltimore. Yep. Do you find it difficult to uh, to get things done when everyone's spread out like that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's been very a really long time since our last record, <laughs> mainly. I mean, life happens, you know, like we've been, everybody's been moving and doing stuff, but, um, you know, it's been for the last three years, we've just been meeting together when we can writing and sending each other emails and different ideas. Um, you know, it's, it's been very challenging, but also, you know, we have a lot of time to kind of like think about what we're doing, I guess. And, um, uh, returning to different themes and stuff. And, and you have to ask yourself, like, if you want to keep, keep it going, you know? Sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's been definitely difficult for sure. Do, do you find that the distance sometimes aids in the ability to create something original? Yeah. I mean, I think it just puts things on a delay, you know, you have to, um, you have to 
think about it a little bit longer. It's it's not so immediate, you know, where when you're a band in the same town and like with um, the Holy Circle, <clears throat> we all are here in Baltimore and we have a weekly practice schedule and we're, you know, we have kind of like a regiment, you know, and I think with Locri and it's kind of like we'll demo a few ideas and then we all kind of go back to our corners and listen to them and start to think about new things and it mutates into this other thing. And, and then we come back together and we have even more ideas um, or a whole thing that we thought was a thing. We've kind of like, Oh, that really wasn't that great. And we'll kind of edit it or take something from it. So it's, it's a different process. I mean, I could see how it would maybe turn you know, in other bands, that could be kind of the end of the band in a way you're not really being much of a, a band, I guess. But um, I think for us, it's kind of led us to be more selective in what we're what we're writing. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I like maybe ten years ago, I might have had a different opinion about that. Like I always felt like everyone needed to, we needed to be getting together like four times a week and like just in this yeah. pres- pressure cooker all the time and. You know, this is yeah. like, uh, you know, like just grinding every, every day, but the Greg Jin practice schedule, <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's kind of how for decades I did bands, you know what I mean? Yeah. But now but I that's, mean, that's not fun. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of not fun, but I don't know. I'm like the masochistic years of my life were spent doing that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? But I mean, the, I think, I think this is different if you're out and you're like, if you're touring and you have records and a schedule and you have an audience that kind of is aware of you, I think it's a different story if that's like your livelihood. Like I absolutely expect that, you know, like that your life is practicing, writing, recording, doing all the stuff and getting in the van and you know what I mean? Like that is to me, like then you have to kind of have that a little bit of that, like every day there's a thing that we're doing to keep this machine going, you know, kind of thing. But I think, um, it's just so different now with technology. Um, but also with the life cycle of bands and stuff like that, I think it's just a different situation and you have to make what works for you too. You know what I mean? Like that that can be punishing. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, I think that when you focus on like material, I find that having that distance is probably a uh, a good thing because you know if you're if you're together all the time, banging it out, you're in the practice room hours and yeah. hours at a time. You, yeah. you you tend to develop this kind of like myopic uh myopic vision of the band you know what i mean that's true yeah and sometimes you need those breaks where you're you know you can ponder other things and uh yeah i like that about locrian because the releases come infrequently but there's always like a, a very distinct characteristic of each record that sets it apart from the others you know what i mean yeah thank you yeah i think i mean we have man we have so much stuff (laughs) now like we're just like we are just trying to get together and record it is like has been the uh the push um and uh i'm 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 optimistic that that's going to happen 
sooner rather than later. Um, and I'm really excited about it. And, um, you know, but I know we also have like a bunch of other ideas. Uh, so it, it it's probably going to be more than one record when we finally sit down and do it. And, and a few other concepts that we have about, uh, the, the album itself and like in the kind of like an addendum album of drones and, oh, cool. uh, and a few other more experimental things that we've been kind of going back and forth with each other on to, um, you know, uh, and, and, and with relapse and stuff with being involved in that equation, you know, so it's been, it's been pretty cool, but we're also like, we just got to like, because we we like so Andre will come over to Baltimore, or I've gone to Chicago, and Stephen came out here, and you know we'll we'll all try and get together, or we'll meet as duos, and kind of like so we have tons of stuff that we've all been working on and sharing, and now it's like we just got to sit in a room and like we have a str- a sketch of what this album will be, and now we just got to like flesh it out, you know. Um, so which I'm excited about, like that that excites me, like that we're kind of getting that close um and that like these new little mutations have come off of it where we're like well if there's a drone record that kind of follows the record and um stuff like that which we're really excited about that's great i look forward to all that stuff man that's, yeah. that's great me too <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time we're just like let's get this thing done you know <laughs> and uh you, you guys have a long-standing relationship with Relapse. Like you've got like several several releases on that label, as well as other labels. But your all of your LPs, I believe, have been on Relapse, right? Uh, before that, we had uh, the Clearing um, LPs. Like you know, we did like uh, Crystal World was on Utech Records, um, and the the Clearing was on this label, Fan Death, that uh, Relapse actually reissued on CD. That's probably, probably why I thought it was on relapse. Yeah, and then um, and then there's a few kind of odds and ends, uh, like weird splits and collaborative record with Horseback that Utech put out and relapse reissued, um, and then and we did the um, uh, I'm trying to remember the uh, we did another record on Bloodlust. Um, another LP, but yeah, so we've had a few small full lengths and a lot of, you know, in our history, we were just putting out a lot of tapes of weird stuff and live sets and, um, strange three inch CDRs and all that fun stuff, you know, like very much uh, in line with the whole noise, like noise definitely at that time. Yeah. Peak, yeah. peak 2000 noise. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like split cassette. We have an eight track in there somewhere. <laughs> no way. Really? You know? Like, yeah yeah we do we do um uh, but you know um yeah on utech actually yeah he did the eight track it was like an edition of 30 um vhs tape we had a vhs tape with like live sets and shots of this dead mall that was really fun to do i made that one uh that was on our like our band label when we put that one out but uh yeah so all these kind of weird strange uh, you know releases um, yeah, I think that there was a time for that. And then obviously for us, we kind of changed how we worked and, um, we weren't close together anymore. And we also kind of were like, we should put all the energy into like one statement, you know, one album statement rather than like kind of spreading it out over like multiple small releases and stuff, just trying to keep it together into one statement. And that was 
probably when we did like return to annihilation on relapse, that was like the big, like, all right, this is the thing. Um, and from that, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you know, it's funny. I mean, I want to talk about, uh, you know, magic circle, but, uh, or I'm sorry, Holy circle. Yeah. Let me edit that out. I want to talk about Holy circle. Actually, there is a band called magic circle. Oh, there is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely want to talk about Holy circle, but, Though you and I have spoken before on my other podcast, we never actually really talked about Locrian. So I just want to talk yeah, a little bit about Locrian yeah, first. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So in the beginning, you guys had that kind of like throbbing gristle, industrial records kind of uh, vibe when it came to releasing stuff. Like you kind of had your own label, like you kind of put things out yeah. on your own and that kind of thing. Um, were all of you guys out of that kind of, old school industrial like noise was that like your background or did you guys like have have a you know was all three of you guys basically coming from that same place or was there like the one dude with a mustache who was like into (laughs) you know know how like hardcore bands in the 80s there was like five guys with crew cuts and then like one long-haired guy with a mustache (laughs) Yeah. Was was there ever a long haired guy with a mustache in Locrian? Uh Andre had the <laughs> longest hair in Locrian. Um but when I when Andre and I met and became friends, um we actually kind of became friends around. We'd always hang out and li- and listen to metal. And at that time there was it was kind of tough in Chicago, I mean, this is like 20 something years ago, but yeah. uh, there really wasn't like a big metal scene. Like if you wanted to go see like a, lar- a metal band, you kind of had to go to the suburbs and like, um, it, it wasn't like you couldn't go like, to like the, the empty bottle and see like a metal show. Um, uh, my wife's correcting me 16 or 15 years ago. <laughs> Am I exaggerating? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was so, I mean, we all would, there's this like a tight group of people and we would kind of like listen to metal and hang out. And Andre was actually in a band with Erica and I from uh, the Holy Circle. We were in a band called Unlucky Atlas. It was kind of like this doom folk thing. Um, and, uh, but Andre kind of asked me, like, he was playing in a metal band that, that fell apart and was like, we have this other show. Do you want to try this noise stuff that you've sent me but with, like, metal guitar? And I was like, well, that sounds interesting. So that's really how it started was he had this show that his metal band had kind of broken up, couldn't do, and it wouldn't have been appropriate for our doom folk band to play. So we tried Locrian and we were like, well, there's, you know, some ideas here. And there were really people that came and were like really encouraged by it, but we didn't really write anything. We kind of like just had like a few ideas that we were trying out. And then so we started as a duo. But um, really it was like metal. And but also, I mean, I think at that time it was like we felt encouraged by bands like Conate or like Sun. Um, that were a little bit more experimental, like Boris, stuff like that, that we were like, you know, this is interesting, but also a lot of the like one man black metal, like Zaster and Leviathan, it was a little bit weirder, like that Lurker of Chalice demo. I remember being like a really big deal to us because it was 
kind of pretty and kind of lo-fi and really haunting sounding. And those are the things I think that, that we still love, like all the like wolf eyes and the, and the offshoots off of that, that we were excited about. But we were also kind of seeing that metal was being really creative at that time. Um, and I think kind of before that moment, it felt very like, like orthodox in a way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think for us, we just, we just, you know, kind of maybe turned us off in some ways. Um, and we are also kind of like looking back to when we, when Andre and I became friends, we were like, like talking about how in the nineties, how, if you're talking about death metal, think about like, what would you be talking about? Cause none of that stuff sounded the same really when you look at death or morbid angel or obituary or any of those bands, they all had these unique characteristics or deicide and all that stuff. It was like the stuff that we kind of grew up on. It, none of it was uniform, but it all had this like, this is death metal. And you're like, well, what, what are you talking about? Is it slow or is it fast? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, is it about, you know, I don't know, <laughs> you know like what's the subject matter? Uh, so I think that was kind of for us, like when Locrian started, you know, we definitely had this noise and experimental, but we felt kind of like encouraged because there's all these weird metal bands out there that were doing interesting stuff and taking like a theme and slowing it down or speed, you know, like there was just all this stuff that was kind of in the air at the time. And we felt, you know, kind of encouraged by that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've always uh, felt like, you know, Locrian had, um, like I, when I listen to Locrian, I hear like so many different things. Like I said, I mentioned the early throbbing gristle kind of vibe, Yeah, you know, then, but there's also a very stark, kind of bleakness to it that has that you know definitely connects with some of my favorite stuff in the black metal genre for sure like you mentioned leviathan and you know that kind of one man black metal stuff yeah yeah and uh (laughs) it's like what if a one man what if instead of one man what if it's two what if it's two you know that was our big what if it's two and then we added uh steven on drums and steven came from a whole different jazz and ambient experimental music and and he is a huge metalhead too and he's kind of found you know we kind of all found each other like being into ambient and noise and then you but you still have this like you know like uh i think steven seen obituary more than andre and me combined you know like so you know like stuff like that where like oh yeah you know like uh, I think he saw them on the cause of death tour or whatever, like originally, you know, like he's, you know, uh, it, it was like, it was a good experience because metal was this kind of bedrock for us, but we also were all like, you know, but we don't want to, you don't want to sound like anyone. You don't want to do the same things that other people have done. You want to try and challenge people. And to us, it was like, you remember when you're a kid and like you get into, like you, you find Slayer and you're like, well, this is the most extreme thing ever. And then you find, you know, Cannibal Corpse or something else. And you're like, that's the most extreme thing. And then you find, you know, like yeah. there's just these like, rabbit holes and you're, and you think that you found this thing and then you, you get like Napalm Death or whatever it is. And, uh, and then you realize there's something more extreme or, or, 
you know, you find abruptum and it's like, what is this? Is this even music? You know, like, uh, you know, like it's, it's, uh, to me, that was like, like that was a cool feeling. Um, when you're young and you kind of see that there's all these people trying to, I don't know, one up another person or challenge each other. Um, and that's a great kind of creative catalyst, you know? Yeah, I think I've only ever seen you guys with as a three piece. I never, I never yeah. seen Low Green as a um, as a two piece. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. yeah. One we, of the things we, about all those bands you just mentioned and the scene in the '90s with like death metal and metal in general, I feel like it was a very orthodox scene. Even though, like you were saying, like in the death metal world, all these bands had their own little nuances to it, but. There was, uh, though I love all that music, there was definitely a sort of closed-mindedness to the fan base that if it wasn't for Neurosis, I think, to take the beating that they uh -huh. did in the yeah. 90s by going out on tour like Pantera and stuff like that, that, yeah. that beating that Neurosis took in the late 90s, I feel like opened the door to the more creative aspects of the metal scene. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, for sure. I mean... Yeah, like Neurosis, um, man, yeah, they're they phenomenal. Um, I mean, live, too. I mean, they just had, like, you know, it was amazing. But, um, and yeah, and I think they were that band, especially, like, for me, like, you know, I started playing music in hardcore, and I think that, like, finding Neurosis was like, oh, like, all those metal ideas can go in this different direction. You don't have to, like, abandon heavy metal, you know, to play hardcore, you know, which yeah, I mean, totally. it sounds, sounds silly, but it, it's, it's like, um, you know, I think there was this like, well, that hardcore is too metal or something. And, and then it kind of like would get people out. Um, and I remember, you know, neurosis and I think was definitely that kind of eye opening group, um, you know, to rethink a lot of that. I mean, they're just brutally heavy and insanely creative, um, you know, uh, like the tribes of Neurot record with the yeah. drums line. I mean, I, I still think that was brilliant, you know, like that was, you know, um, that was a really brilliant idea and really cool. Um, you know, when they, when they did that, um, but yeah, I mean, I think neurosis was definitely a big one that kind of opened that gate and kind of gave everyone this exposure uh, to some cool ideas. And they were out there, they weren't like an esoteric, they were, tour in the road man like they played yeah. tampa florida in the late 90s you know like right. made it all the way down there from california it's insane you know like they did it you know yeah um, that, that period though i think like sort of broke the orthodoxy i think of i like that term you use by the way that's why i'm killing it yeah. right now with that word orthodoxy. <laughs> but i mean there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with it i i mean i think now it's like it's you know like there are bands that are like we're you know they're like the, the orthodox thrash band or the orthodox <laughs> grind band you're like well they don't need no one needs to listen to that there's no. like a hundred other bands that did it before maybe your production diet is a little bit better but it's like you know like do something new you know like yeah but, but I, I like that era though of like because they were not really well received in their in the late 90s going out and doing odd Ozfest and you know the tours of yeah. Pantera. They had a, they had a rough time on the road because kids were not they didn't have the kind of freedom to like listen to that kind of music and enjoy it. And that was at the time where they were doing wasn't 
that was like uh, the sets where it was just like one to the they didn't stop between songs. Was yeah, that it was it, like right? Silver yeah. and Blood, like that era yeah. of the band. I mean, it just I mean, it's epic. They have like a slideshow behind them, yeah. and I mean, like it's just brutal, you know. Like they had a great thing going, but yeah, I could see that. Like you're used to like, I mean, you know, I mean, I think a lot of bands that do that, you know, you can, when you don't stop and you don't give your audience a chance to breathe and, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that myself in yeah. most of my bands. Uh, you know, I think it's like, uh, you kind of, if it's new, you're kind of, you can alienate, um, some of your, uh, new listeners, you know, definitely. I think it, it but I mean, it also says something else. You're, you're like, this is an experience and you're going to, suffer through it and then when it's over maybe you'll feel better i don't know you know i think that that's kind of it's cool but yeah yeah for sure yeah. these days i talk to younger kids into like getting into the scene and they're telling me the kind of stuff they like and in the back of my mind i'm like oh man you love neurosis but you don't even know it you know what i mean it's like you're into all this yeah. stuff that's like they open the door for yeah. And you're not, you don't even realize how much you love neurosis. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, it's, it's interesting. It's just a point, you know, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So with Locrian, um, you also have this other thing that you're doing called Holy Circle, which we yeah, talked about. Yeah. You want me to get Erica? You want to get Erica on this? <laughs> yeah, man. Let's. Uh, so just give me a little background because I've seen you guys play. You played up here in Brooklyn uh, last year and uh, you invited me to the show and it was great. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, so uh, it, have you been doing this for a while? It seems like this has been... You have a couple of releases out, and I just want to talk about all that stuff. Sure. Uh, he, <laughs> Hi. Hello, Erica. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm good. So he was asking us, how did the Holy Circle start? Oh, um, how did it start? We argued a lot about... arguing... <laughs> <laughs> Lots of arguing in our basement over my vocal collaborations with Locrian and, um, well, I mean, it was just like mixing arguing, not, yeah, not like, it, yeah. not like our marriage was going to end. Oh, you guys yeah. weren't arguing about like financial stuff or anything like that? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, no, but just like we, so, uh, Erica, I, I was doing, we were, we were finishing up Infinite Dissolution and, Erica was like collaborating with some vocal stuff and she had all these big ideas and it was this really a kind of a weird mixing process where we kind of sent over all this stuff and we got it back and it was like really pared down. I mean, it sounded great, but it was like, you know, when you're collaborating you're, and you're not like the creative author sometimes and, and Erica, uh, you know, was like, I got to just, we just got to do something on our own, you know, <laughs> like, cause she had all these cool ideas but after we got through like shaping it, the idea kind of become a new a new thing, um, uh, especially with the great dying. I think that was yeah, the one. Yeah, that was the one. That was the track. <laughs> that was the track. And and uh, and then that that's really where I kind of showed her a few tracks that I had done. That I'm like, well, they're not Locrian songs, and I'm not going to do anything with it. And like my solo stuff was a little bit. I mean, it was droney, but it was a little bit more poppy. Like there was like verses and choruses and stuff, and um, and then that's really where there were also some ideas that you, I think, were thinking of using for solo project, and um, and I was like, no, let's. Oh, you hijacked it. I yeah. did. I you hijacked, hijacked it. a lot of ideas. <laughs> I, in fact, 
I can't remember what song it is, but there was an idea that you were thinking of for Locrian, and I definitely hijacked that. Oh, yeah, you did take that one. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember what it was. At this point. Don't tell anybody. Probably <laughs> <laughs> no. But um, I don't know. I think just like feeling like I didn't have enough uh, creative voice sort of led to, well, then let's take these ideas and do something with them. And you know, since our other band, Unlucky Atlas, ended, um, and Terrence had been so busy with Locrian, um, I definitely was missing that. Um, so I think it just sort of naturally naturally led to another another project. Yeah. And it started out as just a two piece, or like, when did you start bringing other people into the band? Um. Nathan Jurgensen came on with drums pretty early, pretty early on. We, Terrence and I, um, uh, wrote a song, Basel, and, uh, we, Terrence put up a, a clip of it on SoundCloud just to, you know, be like, this is something we're working on. And just to see, you know, if like, you know, basically to get feedback from our, our friends and um, we immediately oh. had several friends, you know, um, you know, respond and like, really positively and seem to be really into it. And um, Nathan um, was one of those friends, and he happened to be in town for another purpose. Uh, and uh, Terrence, uh, he, he, Terrence was. Um, the school that Terrence was teaching at at the time had him as a guest um, speaker for the purposes of talking about, uh, you know, his role with uh, social media and um, uh, help me with this. Terrence. Right, so, I can be. <laughs> so like, it's the point. I, I'm like, you know, I'm like, it's slowly like the everything's coming back to me right now. Yeah, so I, like, I played him like some of the ideas, yeah. and then he he started. I mean, he had already cards, heard it though, yeah. right? He had already yeah. heard it. He had and, said something about it, yeah. And he was like, he was like, you know, like I'm interested in you know playing. I mean, Nathan's a really great drummer, and it was funny because Terrence mentioned to me that Nathan was interested and. I like immediately thought of a time several years before when who was he playing with? Uh, he played with this band called Screen Vinyl Image. Right. Um, that was like a shoegaze band um, and a bunch of other bands, and was just a great drummer. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. we like you know, yeah. years ago had had a conversation about what a good drummer. But he was. also had like drum pads and electronics. But he went. I mean, it was cool because he went kind of with a live kit for like our recording and most of our, and all live stuff, we kind of didn't have a drum machine, but then he wound up getting a really cool opportunity out in Los Angeles. And he just wrote a book oh, wow. <laughs> um, about like social media and stuff. And it's really, really good. Um, but he had to, he had to move to LA and we're like, well, I have this nice drum machine, and then so we were kind of back at as a duo. Yeah, we, yeah, there was a lot of, and even with Nathan as part of the band, there was a lot of duo shows that we do a lot of duo sets just because with him being in New York and us in Baltimore, it didn't always work for him to, you know, play a show. Yeah, and um, so actually, it was a really good experimental phase for us, and then sort of 
Then we met Rob. Yeah. To what would happen after he moved away. Um, And we we knew Rob, uh, the other guitar player. We knew him for a few years. He played in this great kind of noise punk band called The Birth Effects. And um, they were great. A lot of friends uh, were in that band. But they and kind of fell apart. But Rob was playing with guitar with us, and it was just kind of went in a new direction with more of the heavier shoegaze kind of moments and stuff. So that was that was really cool. Like, and now it's it's like this, uh, I really am, I'm happy with the trio. Yeah, the guitar guy is good, man. He uh, he's got he has this like <laughs> Roland Roland Howard kind of vibe, and you know, I, I thought it was really cool when I saw you guys. Yeah. And, yeah. His Thanks, sound, man. his style, everything was really good about the guitars. Yeah, and I think it yeah, fits. he has the style. <laughs> well, yeah. we're such we're such shoegaze fans, and I think it was sort of the natural, it was sort of like the natural evolution of what would happen with this yeah. band. I mean, in my head, it sounded like that before around <laughs> with you know, yeah. it's like you have all these ideas, but you can't execute them um, as well sometimes with two people and. Um, and and definitely Rob made it more like, you know, we're talking earlier, it's like now we have like weekly practice schedule and we have writing practice and, you know, it's like, it's much more regimented as a band, um, which before it was like, we'll go down to the basement, (laughs) but now it's like, you know, we have a little bit more structure, um, to what we're doing. So it's, it's pretty cool. Now, one of the questions I always ask people and, uh, you know, I know I I play around a little bit with songs and music and everything. So the one of, one of the ideas that I always ask myself too is, how close is the finished product of the song or the album or the EP to the idea that you had in your head about what you wanted it to sound like? Is there any differential, or is it a hundred percent? We nailed it. Like what's you know, are there things that you'd never quite captured the way you wanted to, or you're just totally satisfied with everything? I mean, speaking for myself, I'm never satisfied. There's always something, there's always something more that I would do or make stronger. And I do sort of, um, I'm like the band's documentarian, I guess I, I record, I record on my phone, everything that we do in practice. If we have a new idea or a riff or whatever, I record it. And then I sort of, you know, throughout the week between practice, I'm listening to the recording, um, and thinking about what that should be or what ideas I have for that, or if it sounds the way I envisioned it in my head. Um, so for me, it's like it's never done. All of our songs, I mean, even the songs on Sick With Love are still evolving into something new at this point. I mean, the way that we play them in a set now is completely different, I feel, from yeah a year ago. I mean, I think Sick With Love was kind of like supposed to be a demo. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just was recorded really well. And uh, we we had like a bigger album kind of in mind, but um, when we recorded it and we're kind of shopping it around, um, Death Bomb Arc really liked it uh, and felt really str- strongly about it uh, as uh, as it was as an EP because we had, we had structured it pretty well. We had a little intro and outro to it. It kind of felt 
we blended some of the songs together in mixing, so it felt more concept-driven. Um, and the songs fit really well together. I think to try to answer your question, I think <laughs> I think that the longer the longer that we're uh, the three of us work together, um, the better we get at sort of a common vocabulary of communicating what we want and mean. And I think sort of like reading each other better and, um, you know, that's gotten better over time. So I think that now we get closer, we get closer to it than we did, you know, a year or so ago. Um, but it's always, you know, there's always songs and moments that are frustrating for me because, you know, I can hear all these parts in my head and I have like this vision for it. And it's, um, you know, either for lack of talent on (laughs) my part or an ability to communicate what I want, you know, some, some songs never quite get there, but then more often than not, they evolve into something that I can live with and I'm happy about. It's just, (laughs) you know, um, you know, it's, that's sort of like the ongoing thing is, you know, trying to compromise. Yeah. The compromise or, um, accepting that, you know, this is not meant to be that song. I mean, we have a couple songs in particular that we've been working on since before Rob joined us and we just can't keep coming back around to them because there's good ideas in them. But for whatever reason, we just can't, none of us feel good about it, you know, to, you know, say it's done or like, let's start playing it live and let's record it maybe. And it's just not, I don't know, maybe it's not meant to be, or it's not meant to be right now, or it's just not working for various reasons. So I think it's just like an ever evolving thing, but it helps that we, we are disciplined as a band and we, we practice often and between the practices we're thinking about the music. Yeah. That, that's like the good thing about being in a band that has like a long view of things is that the idea is that currently this is like where we're at, at this, at time equals whatever. And then in the future, we're going to be in a in a different place because in that interim period of time, we're going to be developing the language that we use to communicate with. And uh, I, I always like that when there's a band that you can see change and progress and evolution over the course of the, of the uh, catalog of material that they have. Yeah. 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 I mean, so much of it, I feel like with the songwriting is intuitive and learning to read, um, read your bandmates. I mean, and a huge part of that for us is happens live. We discover a lot of things when we play, when we play and, you know, there's one particular song, um, lovely one that we we're constantly having that conversation about because something will happen when we play it live that we might really like. And we're like, let's, let's, let's make that, let's make that part of the song, you know, or let's do that always. And then, you know, it's, um, but it's, you know, it doesn't always happen the same way twice. And, you know, it's, and looking at each other while we're playing and sort of like that nonverbal communication 
you know, um, I mean, it's exciting. It's fun. But I mean, I think too, that's how a lot of our songs get written. We're like just sort of discovering in the moment. Um, you know, and I think audience feedback is important too. You know, I think, uh, sometimes I'll, feel like something's really good or like that part's really interesting and then we play it and it sort of doesn't seem to get much of a response <laughs> and then you know another part that I was like yeah you know this part's okay <laughs> and then or I don't really think about it and you know somebody will look like they're really like you know feeling it in the audience. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is okay. This is good. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. It's, um, I mean, I'm like, I think improv is really important as a musician too, for writing songs. And, you know, that takes, it took courage at first, but now that we're all comfortable with each other, it's like, you know, let's just see where this part of the song goes. I mean, we'll just sort of have a loose structure and then we'll just, you know, if the, if the audience seems to be into it, maybe we'll just keep it going for a little <laughs> bit longer. Or like, you yeah. know, maybe Rob starts making more feedback or yeah. I start looping something with the vocals or, you know, I keep playing a riff on the keyboard or something. You know, I I think that's that's the fun. That's To me, that's the best part of playing live. To date, how many releases do you guys have right now? Early circle. Um, well, this is our. We're working on our fourth. Yeah, we're working on our fourth. Yeah. So you want you want to just take me down like what what you guys have available for people to check out and where they can find sure. those things. Um, the most recent one is this EP called "Sick with Love," um, that we did with Death Bomb Arc. It's like six tracks uh, on cassette. Um, and digital. And then right before that, we did um, a CD and LP, self-titled. Um, and the LP was put out by my label, <laughs> Black Horizons and Cloister Recordings. They did the LP. And the CD was done by Annihilus Power Electronics out of uh, New York. Oh yeah, Lee. Um, Lee, I know Lee. Lee, Lee, yeah. Lee from Theologian, mm -hmm. who's our first show we played with Theologian. That was kind of that was great. Uh, that was our first show, first Holy Circle show was with Theologian, uh, and Lee's been a big supporter and good friend um, for since we started this project. Um, and uh, and then before that, we did another self-titled another self-titled demo. So two self-titled separate releases. A uh, self-titled four song demo, yeah. yeah. We're the Peter Gabriel of uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, a self-titled four track, and that was done with Accidental Guest, and that's available digitally because the cassette sold out now. But And there was a three-inch CDR of it that was released uh, in England a little bit ago, um, like a reissue, but which was interesting. Got back to the noise roots a little bit on that, but... Oh, yeah, Sleep Fuse, that was the name of that label. Sleep Fuse in England released our demo on, on CD, which is cool. But yeah, now we're working on a, a new full length and close, close. It's very, it's getting there. We're, we're feeling pretty good. We're feeling good enough to talk about recording it. So that's good. So you're, you're yeah. wrapping up the writing process of that uh, record? 
we're on the end of it. I think we're we're kind of like we're happy with what we have. We want a little bit more. Yeah, I want. Yeah, we want to be able to edit. Yeah, be able to. Yeah, have something extra that you can cut, save for something else. You know, it feels good. You're not. You don't have to record everything that you that you have. You know, like something you can kind of slice. It's good. Now, Erica, are you uh, do you write all the lyrics as well? I do. Um, we've talked about Terrence and I collaborating on lyrics, but it's a date. It hasn't ever happened. She's a good lyricist. That that could be hard. That could be very hard. That could be very difficult. I think being, um, you know, right. Like collaborating on lyrics is I think particularly hard. Yeah. I mean, when, when I collaborated uh, on my collaborations with Locrian, those were all Terrence's lyrics and um, it, you know, that felt right and appropriate to the task, but you know, I'm holy circles, a completely different animal from Locrian. And I don't know, like Terrence and I are very different lyricists and I don't know that my words are, un- are not very nice for people to sing. It's, he's, he <laughs> loves, they have to sing. He loves writing <laughs> unsingable lyrics and then um, screaming them. Yeah. It's great. But singing, singing it is a little bit hard. Like yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, my ideas are different from yours. I like where I'm coming from. Yeah. Lyrically, it's different from yours. Thematically, it's different. So, yeah. Um, it's all about romance and loss. And, you know, um, yours is about the destruction of <laughs> civilization, <laughs> earth dying. And, um, I mean, I have a little that in me too but it just comes across in a different way yeah but you find like the sick with love was based off of a literary kind of inspiration yeah sick with love was um was inspired by Jane Eyre um I loved my gothic literature and um so sick with love was uh you know um for the most part uh written from the perspective of different characters in Jane Eyre um, this record is sort of pulling from multiple sources so far. Um, and I'm still not exactly sure. Um, I haven't finished a lot of the lyrics for the songs that we're working on right now. So I don't know. I'm still, still seeing where this one's going to go, but yeah, I like to pull inspiration from literature fun yeah that's great yeah i mean i i you know I, i've i've listened to all the stuff that you guys have out so far and uh yeah I'm, I'm a i like to i like good lyrics you know what i mean myself being a half-assed oh. like writer lyricist guy so i i always like listen to <laughs> and, uh, lyrics and all that kind of stuff credit. you're a whole ass <laughs> <laughs> that's what i've actually i've been i've been called a whole ass before so <laughs> No, uh, no way. No, yeah. I mean, you, you know, I mean, you. I'm sure we're putting together. You, you have like concept records, and you're trying to make a flow. You and you know, as a lyricist yourself and the songwriter, it's like it's a lot. You know, it's, like I mean, I think it, it's it's much harder than I think a lot of people realize unless they tried to do it themselves. But it's you know the thing. <laughs> Like the worst thing for me is listening back to a song that's written and recorded and being like, God 
damn it, why did I say it that way? Why didn't I <laughs> do, why didn't I say it this way? And it's like hindsight's always twenty twenty with, um, with the lyrics. It's like, once it's, once it's recorded, I, I like can guarantee there's going to be something in there that I'm going to realize down the road I should have done differently. But, you know, it, it's sort of like you, um, you live and you learn and you, you know, you get better at it. And, but it's, it's a discipline. I mean, I think I've become more disciplined, but I'm not the most disciplined writer, you know? Um, I like, you know, I don't have like a space, like Terrence is very disciplined. He has like his workspace and, you know, he requires some quiet time for me. It's like my, you know, being a, a parent and, um, I'm a teacher. I work full time and, you know, we have a lot going on in our lives. I think I just sort of write things down in my phone or in my, my notebook as they come to me. If that's like in the middle of, you know, driving to, to work on like sitting at a stoplight, jotting something down in the notes app on my phone, just so I don't forget it, you know? And I was actually yeah. just about to ask you about that if you had like a notebook and um, just put because that that's exactly what I do. I have I have notes yeah. in my phone. I have uh you know just like one of those composition books that I've been writing yeah. in for the last like six months, hoping to extract something worthwhile for the next <laughs> album. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I have a I have a notebook, but um, I also have <laughs> I use the notes app on my phone, and um, because I just you know, my fear is forgetting it, you know? Yeah, and, um, yeah. and so I just try to record, I, I'll sometimes record a voice memo yep. of yep. myself singing it. If there's like, you know, if I already know how it should sound or, you know, sometimes the voice memo isn't lyrics. It's like, a, like a melody, like you played those me before, something, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, my fear is, forgetting it. So I, I try to jot it down right away. Um, I, you know, it's just, I've learned to just accept that it's going to come to me when it comes to me. And I, if I like put pressure on myself to like, right now we're trying to finish a couple of songs and I only have partial lyrics and it's like the more pressure I put on myself, the less that, the less that it works, you know? So I just try to you know, I'm always thinking about it, but, you know, I just wait for it to come to me when it does. And, you know, that could be in really unexpected, benign places. You know, it's not, uh, it's not, there's no like rhyme or reason to it when it finally occurs to me what the lyrics should be. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have several books that are partially finished that I'm reading and, that are <laughs> have been inspiration so far for lyrics. So I think, you know, I'm reading uh, I'm reading the Carter's biography right now. Um, Will you miss me when I'm gone? That's been an inspiration for some lyrics and That's some um, sad relationships there. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I have a couple of uh, I have some. Um, Bronte and Austin biographies that I'm always in the middle of and Bronte letters are really sad and yeah, pretty depressing. <laughs> gothic and 
<laughs> romantic all at the same time. So I, you know, it's just sort of like, I just wait for it to hit me and, you know, I know. It's funny how similar the stories are for the songwriter, you know, the lyric writer, uh, in, from, from genre to genre, from person to person. Cause I find myself doing the same exact things that you do, even with the voice notes yeah. and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, is there a, uh, central location for Holy Circle where people can go to, to get like links to say Bandcamp or whatever to get? Oh, they could just go to the, the Holy Circle.bandcamp.com. And you'll be able to get physical and the digital uh, releases and, and communicate with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably the best place because that's where every – we have all of the records up there. And Death Bomb Arc has the cassette on there and the download and all that. And you can get the LP and CD from us. Awesome. For the self-titled one, yeah. Well, good luck on uh, wrapping up this record, man. I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to hearing it. Uh, thanks, Mike. Yeah, man. <laughs> And uh, thank you, Erica, for uh, making some time to talk to me about the Holy Circle. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Mike. it for this week's episode of metal matters a gimme radio weekly podcast tune in next week and see what we have in store for you the show is available on all streaming platforms apple Podcasts, itunes spotify etc also be sure to check out gimme radio streaming on the web ios or android for one of the best metal communities exclusive merch interviews with artists and so much more i'll catch you guys next week take care